Let's talk shoes for a moment. If you didn't know, my closet is all about my shoe obsession. And I love a comfy shoe as much as I love to struggle to walk in a foreign stiletto. I wanted to get you hip to Tom's shoes, some of the most comfortable shoes I've ever purchased. Disclaimer, I'm an affiliate and super excited to introduce them to you. From slip-ons to sneakers, flats, heels, and wedges, they have you covered. And they're in business to improve lives. For every $3 that they make, they give away $1. Check out their fun new styles at the link in the show notes and get a spring in your step. Try some on. I bet you live in them. And let me know what color you select. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Coltimadisi. Follow on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Sandra Coltimadisi the podcast and lifestyle Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra. And for upcoming course announcements, follow College of Style on Instagram as well. Want to enjoy more sweet rewards? Join Sandra's Facebook groups, Sweet Bites with Sandra, Content Creator Convention, WA Guest Blogging, and Twitter Spaces Female Entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for you to be here for episode 30 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sandra Coltimadisi, and you are in for a really really fun treat today. My guest today, her name is Stephanie Staboulis, and she is the founder of Social Creates Impact. And I want you to perk up your ears for this interview a little bit later in the episode. So let's get started in what I want to talk about today, which is calls to action. I was talking with my friend the other day about what call to action she should be using on her social media and how often you should be using it. Now, she was basically complaining that she doesn't want to use it a call to action every single post and she doesn't want to feel salesy while she does it and I totally agree now something that you can do to use a call to action that is not salesy is asking people to save a post share a post or comment on a post. Giving feedback or saving something for later does not feel to most people like you're trying to sell them on something. It's almost the opposite. You're trying to give that value so that they can come back later to get that value again, right? So giving a call to action does not always have to be a sales call. Although there are motives behind what you're doing and having a strategy to get you know certain people from your followers and convert them into customers. But when you are trying to make sure that you're not feeling like you're overwhelming people with sales calls, giving a call to action like save this post for later, share it with someone who needs to read this, um, tag a friend who is really interested in this topic or things of that nature. Then you come across as someone who wants to have that lasting conversation like, hey, come back for more, send this to a friend, include them in the conversation, tag them so that they know that they are part of this conversation too. So you're including people, you're bringing them back to you, you're helping your 
your brand, um, connect with other people through their audiences. And that is very, very key to broadening your reach. So let's take a call from one of our listeners. So I had a question come in from a listener and they asked me, what do you like most about your job? <laughs> and normally during um, the Q&A that I have with listener questions, I don't get asked much about what I do, more about how I can help other people. So I thought, you know what, let me take this one and just give you some of the best parts about my job. And so let me tell you some of the really, really fun aspects of what I do. Number one, I get to talk all the time with people who have ideas. These are innovators and that supercharges me. I have lived on so many different um, college campuses, I feel like, um, just in my general academic history, um, that that was one of the places that I always felt like there was something brewing all the time. Um, when I went to University of Oregon, I always felt like there was there was this energy, right? Um, and when I talk to founders and creators and influencers and business owners and all these people who are generating their own content, it's that same feeling of just being energized by people who are innovating constantly. That is one of the best parts about my job. Also, I get to do what I love, which is helping other people. I get the most joy when I get notes from people saying, oh my gosh, I implemented the strategy and look how uh, amazing it turned out. Or I just wanted to say, this is what, you know, we talked about this and this is the lane I'm going in. You know, when people have those moments, whether it's an aha moment for themselves and they're just sharing it with me, or I come across or stumble across some of their content and I'm like, hey, I know that person that is amazing. The, those are the moments that I'm just like, I love my job. I am so excited that I get to do what I do. And if you have a question, feel free to drop me a note. Let me know what you're working on. I always love to see what people are putting out there in the world because that all of that creativity sparks new creativity. And for me, that's where I'm excited and get my juices from as well. So I'm super excited to answer your questions. And thank you so much for asking me that question. I, you know, I always want to strive to um, be able to give you more information that will help your business. But I think that kind of does in a little bit of a way so that if you know that you're doing what you love to do, that you get that kind of same gratification out of what you're doing as well. If you have a question that you would like answered on Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast, feel free to call 401-216-5059, leave a voicemail, and you too could be featured on the podcast. All right, welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra. I'm so excited to be with Stephanie Staboulis. She is an entrepreneur, founder of many companies, and she has so much marketing experience under her belt that I'm just going to brag on her for just a little bit. Um, she is a veteran marketer and storyteller. She has a knack for understanding the psychology of brands and consumers. She's an award-winning campaign designer. So kudos to you. I'm clapping. Thank you. <laughs> and she advocates for challenging brands to collaborate and create with influencer creators. So let's talk about you and what you've done and all of your accolades. Um, but thank you for joining, uh, you know, the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know where to start. Um, because obviously I could talk about 
the 10 plus years. And what's cool about that is I've been in social since social started. So that's always my bragging point. It's because a lot of people can't say that. I'm like, when I graduated college, first of all, I didn't take a single like like a single class in social media so there's yeah. that I had to teach myself everything but also the the year I graduated was the year Facebook decided to launch for business Instagram was coming up so like I got thrown into all of that right out of college because I was a kid essentially and they're like yeah. figure this out um and that's kind of how my career catapulted it wasn't what I wanted to do it wasn't what I went to school for it was what I fell into and I think yeah. that yeah. in itself is such a cool story um, but my social create like social creates impact and what I'm involved with now and what I've done the past three years with higher influence and winning awards and stuff, that's been really impactful for me because I hit this transition point about three years ago where I stopped being the learner, be the person who was learning everything, who was, you know, learning from their peers, learning from the people above them and just, you know, being the worker and doing what I was taught to do to being a thought leader. And to really taking a stand and saying, hey, these are the patterns that I'm seeing and what's happening in our own industry right now. And going to the CEO and pitching and saying, we need to make changes to who we are as a brand. Um, And that was really scary to go there because I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know how brands were going to respond to it. And then when we made all these changes, all of a sudden, like our biggest client that my dream client basically came to us and said, we're on board with this. And to me, that was like, the most amazing thing I think I could have like nod to myself and it gave me so much confidence going forward so when that happened I was like I need to bring more of this to light I need to talk about this more I got more involved with podcasts and interviews and everything and Mm -hmm. that's kind of just where it is that I like put myself in is to really follow my heart and my passion and really follow where this is bringing me and be more of a pioneer than just being like a worker (laughs) bee which is like I said scary <laughs> it's mindset though. I mean, you, you have to really put yourself out there to think, okay, why wouldn't I be a pioneer? Why wouldn't I be a thought leader or putting myself in a position to be recognized that way? So there are different mindset shifts that a lot of people have to do. And I know that you've worked with some top-notch brands, um, like Oreo and Southwest airlines and, you know, um, ESPN. And so when you think about partnering, because I feel like sometimes collaboration is where you're, you're really exchanging that information of ideas and creation and, uh, or I should, I should say creativity, um, you know, just kind of having that workflow um, when you're not really even knowing that it's happening. So how do you feel about creating partnerships and what is the best way to, to really form a winning one? So partnerships are about two people bringing something to the table. I mean, relationships are like that in general, but partnerships are so much about two people bringing something to the table. And what I was seeing in influencer marketing is that people really weren't caring what the influencer brought to the table other than themselves and their photography. And so everything was getting very redundant and very boring. And the influencers were talking at audiences. They weren't involving audiences. There was really not a lot of collaboration happening. So when I wanted to change things up, I said, hey, like you need to respect what the influencers bring to the table and to tell the influencers, hey, you need to bring something to the table. You can't just be a product cluster. You need to have something that you're about. So there's coaching that has to happen on both sides. There's coaching Mm -hmm. the influencers to be more impactful and be about something than more than just sharing these products. Mm -hmm. And there's also the side on, you know, the big brand side and saying, hey, you need to respect what these people bring to the table and you need to find your commonalities. You as a brand, if you're Oreo, if you're ESPN, you have commonalities to your audience. You need to find them 
And we need to figure out how to create more winning, resonating messages that audiences want to hear because they were, audiences are kind of getting pushed out of the equation too. Like mm-hmm. when you don't focus on collaboration, you're really not creating anything of value for the audience. And so you were just creating what was great for the brand. And all of a sudden you're pushing that on the audience and audiences are taking a step back and saying, uh, this is getting boring. Influencers, you guys suck. All you do is just, you know, <laughs> flaunt your brand. And we're seeing that pushback coming from yeah. um, the audiences. And we're like, we need to do something about that. Well, so how do you approach an influencer? Because I know that there are people who listen to the podcast who might want to hire an influencer, but um, don't want to offend them per se uh, and say, you know, you have to bring something to the table, you know, besides your followers and your photography. So what would you, how would you approach that kind of conversation with somebody who you want to, to work with, and then you want to have build that kind of relationship with? Well, I feel like when you go to an influencer, you know, they're bringing something to the table. Like there has to be something attracting to you about why this would be a good fit for your brand. So the whole selection process of who you even want to work with mm-hmm. that in itself has the, you have to find that value. You right. know, you can't just go to an influencer saying, I want to work with you, but you have to bring more to the table. Um, you're <laughs> okay. going to kind of know what that is by looking at the influencer and it's going to be pretty apparent. And you can compliment that. You can compliment them on it. They love that. Like if you're like, Hey, like I have this sustainable, you know, plastic bag company. And I noticed that you're really, really key on recycling and about climate change and all of this. Let's partner together and talk about what can we do? Um, if you pitch it to them as like a partnership and really allow them to create ideas, um, most influencers will be cool with it. Some mm-hmm. haven't caught on to that because they're like, I want you to tell me exactly what you want me to do because yeah. they haven't really gotten that it's a collaboration, which we're trying to work on. Um, but for the most part, you can just compliment them and say, hey, I want to work with you. We have something that fits. And really, like when it comes down to collaboration, it's about the fit and the messaging. And if there's no fit there, then it's really forced message and influencer yeah. marketing or partnering with that influencer may not even make sense to begin with. Um, right. Always be professional. Um, don't be spammy. We have seen so much spam out there to the point where I have to tell influencers, this is spam. Don't do it. Like people are calling people honey, like, oh, it's awkward. So I'm like, please don't do that. Please email them, grab their email. If they don't have their email, like email them say, Hey, I really would love to connect with you and a potential marketing opportunity. Can you send me your email so that you could be more professional and you can write out the details and you can have a better conversation with them. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've received emails that said, Hey hon. And I'm like, did I, did I, do I know you? Yeah. So awkward. (laughs) Awkward. Or like yesterday I got someone who like commented and they're like, um, read your, your message, send me your photos for promotion. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like, please, no, I'm not doing that. Like that's so direct and so unprofessional. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are ways to go about communication and I think it's just a, a learning curve of, of, you know, trial and error. Um, and just making sure that, um, you know, I, this is a random story, but I, I had worked for someone who literally spent 45 minutes on each email each email response to someone because um, every single person that they encountered was a VP or a senior VP or a CEO or a COO. And so every response that that person sent out, they matched the level of personable person. What is the word for it? They, they matched kind of the, the salutation at the end. 
they would say sincerely or respectfully or, um, you know, or whatever the, the terminology was, they would match every single person's response with the same identical kind of um, verbiage because they didn't want to assume that they had kind of a connection because it was email. And a lot of people think email is just so impersonal, but many people feel like it's very formal, you know? So I feel like when you're, when you're talking to, with influencers, a lot of people think you just know them because mm -hmm. you see their stuff all the time, you know, on the internet and, you know, different TikToks and whatever. So it's definitely an interesting idea to, to make sure that you're communicating um, that collaboration and not just, Hey, we want you to plug our stuff. Right. It's got to be more than that. I mean, yeah. the audience doesn't want you to just plug stuff. Like yeah. hearing, hey, go buy this for the billionth time is not resonating with the audiences. I want to know why, but also I don't want to know why in a context that's just so personal to you that I can't resonate with it. There's, yeah. there's a lot of strategy that goes on behind crafting something that's really going to resonate well with audiences. And a lot of the time it has to do with the context you build around it. Mm -hmm. And that's what collaboration is all about. Like, don't tell me that, you need to go buy these plastic bags. Like, tell me like about three other changes I can make to reduce my plastic consumption. And maybe that's what the post is really about. And I'm plugging this brand because they fit into the conversation um, without making it about this brand. And it's hard for brands to take a step back and be like, I don't belong as the center of the conversation. I belong as part of the conversation, mm -hmm. but that's actually way more effective because it's more authentic. It's the way that we normally communicate with each other. We're not, yeah. you know, having this conversation with friends about things we're doing to help the environment and making it just about one brand. We may really right. do that when like we really love a brand, but that comes <laughs> after time and they've seen you use it and you're mm -hmm. having that conversation because you they've seen you do stuff. So yeah. you have to think about like how we naturally talk to each other because we've gotten so far away from that in influencer world. We yeah. haven't like we haven't respected the conversations that happen between friends the way that they should be happening online. We've gotten a, like very too formal about it, too advertising about it. And there's a piece of that that works if you want advertising and all you care about is the impressions. But when it comes down to what brands are actually looking for out of these influencers, they want more. And in order to get more, you have to be more strategic about exactly how we're going to craft those messages that are going to resonate with audiences. Exactly. Well, so I know that you have had a lot of experience with big brands. Um, so can you tell the listeners just about one experience, whether it's creating a campaign or the implementation or the aftermath, <laughs> uh, if you will, if it was um, maybe terrifying or, or really exciting or inspiring, somebody maybe that you've worked with that, you know, really, you know, left a lasting impression? Yeah. So um, the, when what I talked about before, and we talked about like when I transitioned from being just like a worker doing what I was taught to do and then being a thought leader and going out on a limb and saying we have to do that project that first campaign that came through was the scariest campaign and also the one of the best campaigns that I've done so it was for Nickelodeon who was the um, dream client that we had and it was for Paw Patrol um, which was just ironic because I'm not a mother so I don't have kids and the fact that I even knew Paw Patrol when she came to me because my friends have kids and I just you know I'm looking at Paw Patrol wrapping paper right now I <laughs> just somehow knew about it and so I knew what the the I knew from the parent perspective what was so cool about Paw Patrol and I was able mm -hmm. to build that into the campaign um, the campaign was really well received 
than the execution part of it because I'm the ideator and I throw out all the really wild ideas and then I put it on my team to have to (laughs) execute it. So I was so nervous for everything from the casting, like, are we going to hit the right casting for this? And people were dropping out at times. So it was really scary. I was like, are we going to be able to get this? Like, what's the budget look like? Like everything is just so nervous in the execution phase. Um, But we, um, and it was also really complex because I made it where it's like a it was interactive. It was uh-huh. like this um, race across America where you had to like, you know, we, we literally moved from state to state with each influencer with a map and everything. It was really kind of complex, but in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. And I was just scared about how we were going to execute on that. But my team killed it. Yeah. Um, my team killed it so well that Nickelodeon came back to us um, after a month. Like we didn't hear from them on the results. Like we delivered our reporting, which was great from an impression standpoint. But, you know, some with some big brands, they don't have the follow through because it's not e-commerce. So like, we don't really know how many Paw Patrol things we sold. We don't know right. like, the active stuff. So it's, it's sometimes there's a disconnect and Paw Patrol came back to us like two months later and said, so for the first time in months, Walmart had the dominant share of voice for Paw Patrol merchandise. Our sales lifted like 16% and they attributed it back to the campaign. So I was like, wow I was like not only was this a hugely successful campaign but this was the first campaign that I did in this new concept of being interactive collaborative Mm -hmm. really thinking about what audiences want um, really thinking about how we position products to make it more interesting and talk about and it was just a wildly smashing success so it was scary the whole time up until the end when you saw the results and you're like wow this really worked and then that gives you the confidence to then move in and say you know, it gives you a case study, obviously, but also the confidence to go in and say, this is what we need to do to all the big brands. And like the minute that we did that, things started falling in place because other brands were getting on board with it. That was awesome for us. And just uh, for me, such a wild moment, because not to say I self-doubted myself from a mindset perspective, but, you know, it's hard to make that transition into a thought leader because you're young and you know that you don't know everything. I'm only 31 years old. I've only been in my career for 10 years. And I know I tout myself as a veteran now because I'm like, yeah, 10 years, I'm a veteran. I am a veteran in social media, but I'm not a veteran in the workplace. And so me after 10 years saying that I'm going to become a thought leader was a very big jump for me and a very almost cocky jump for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to really get past me thinking about what other people are going to think about if I start being more confident and really just say, hey, really have trust in my vision and really have trust in what I'm seeing. Because if I have trust in what I'm seeing in the industry and I have trust in the, the view and the vision that I have, then it doesn't matter how cocky I am because I'm protecting that vision. It doesn't matter how many years of experience I have because I have the vision. And I think that's why people are so successful at such young ages is like, Mm -hmm. you really just need to have the vision and the confidence in your vision. And it really doesn't matter how much experience you have. But if you could prove that your vision is where we need to be going, the minute you get that one proof point, everything else kind of falls in place. Exactly. Drop in truth bombs over here. We have, (laughs) I am just like, yes. And yes, and check that box, yes. Because (laughs) there are so many times when people do doubt themselves and their expertise. And really, um, a lot of people don't think they can teach other other people things that they know without some sort of license to do it. And if you have that confidence, which is basically what it boils down to, you have to have that self-confidence to put yourself out there to say, I know this 
really well. And I'm going to teach you X, Y, Z things on how to, you know, take your business from, you know, A to Z. So I want you to talk about the socialcreatesimpact.com website that you have and what people can find when they go there. Cause I know you have workshops, you have different intensive, you have, you know, online things that I I know people are going like this. If you can't hear, if you can't see me, I'm twiddling my fingers. (laughs) Um, But I know that people can go to your website and really find some, some great material um, for training. Yeah. What was really awesome about social creates impact is it came off the heels of everything that is that I talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, I really saw that when I could dedicate myself to a vision and a purpose more so than anything, and I can create and educate around that vision and gather all the facts and create resources that I could really help support and become even more confident in what it is that I'm doing. So I created Social Creates Impact. Um, I don't monetize it too much other than the workshops because I really want to focus on the value that I'm giving. So if you go there, you'll find like, you know, worksheets on how to determine whether an influencer is the best for you. Or from an influencer standpoint, what are the most important things you need to think of? Or even the top thing that everyone's looking at right now is really the nine values beyond sales that influencer marketing provides. So I've taken all of like my thoughts, all of my structure. It's been amazing to have COVID to just sit down and get all of this out of my head, put it into its own frameworks, understand how to teach what's in my head to other people. And that's what social creates impact is. So there's workshops on there. Um, I'm working on breaking down the modules because people were like, oh my God, this is so much information and it's great (laughs) and all, but I can't digest it right now. So I'm working on some different things with the workshops. I have stuff for brands on there. I have stuff for influencers on there. Mm -hmm. And I'm really just building it out to be a nonprofit entity about Uh the values and just really getting Um, things out there to help people and help my vision and support my vision. Because if I support my vision, I support the entire industry. Yeah. And it's not going back. So there's, I mean, there's so many opportunities for people to educate themselves in this space because COVID moved us really further forward into the digital era. Um, Whether, you know, I was talking with Natalie Hapgood in our premiere episode about curbside pickup and uh, touchless payments and things of that nature where we were forced into moving forward so fast and so furious that it's not going to go back anytime soon. And people will have adjusted themselves that they need to have those resources to say, okay, well now our business is in the online sphere now because maybe they were brick and mortar before. Now, what do we do? Uh, because maybe they don't have a, a plan. But it, you know, if you go to her website, socialcreatesimpact.com, I'm sure that she has something for you. <laughs> have you been to my shop lately? I have been in the lab and creating new items just for you. Take a look at the decor, the brand new eye collection, and spanking new done for you templates for social media. Yes, I told you, I am giving you my A game in 2021. Check it out and buy yourself a little something to reward yourself for making a commitment to yourself to rock 2021 like no other. Just visit www.sandracoltimadc.com forward slash shop today. So the story I wanted to tell on this episode of Sweet Bites of Sandra, I actually was doing um, a re-edit of my dance reel the other day and I came across, I had totally forgot about this music video that I danced in with The Dream, the rapper. And I was so excited because um, some of my great friends, um, Alex K is in this video and I, and 
Danielle Hawkins. Um, she's really great on roller skates. She's in it as well. And I was so excited to come across this footage. So what I'm going to do is post that video on my website. So go to the blog, sandracoltamedici.com forward slash blog. And it's a, a music video um, to rock in that thing. So I hope that you enjoy it. It's a throwback for sure on a Thursday. Um, but it was super fun to, to film and I hope you enjoy it. So on every episode of the Sweet Bites with Center podcast, we always have a sweet bite and a sweet reward. So one of my favorite, favorite foods, and I don't even know if this is supposed to be um, a breakfast only meal because I've had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at points in my life, but I love, love, love French toast and not just because I'm married to a French person <laughs> because they would not call it French toast, but I love, love, love French toast. And there used to be this place that we used to go to over on Sunset Boulevard called The Griddle and they had the best French toast. It was called Mama's French Toast, I think. And it was like on that thin bread oh my goodness I'm just getting hungry right now so I'm gonna put on the on the website of a few different versions of French toast and I think that sometimes people get really creative nowadays my French toast is really simple I mean I, I think I should probably ask you guys are you French toast with syrup or are you French toast with sugar or ooh, or are you French toast with powdered sugar because that I mean everybody has their thing so I'm gonna put a little pull up on social media on my story so that you can answer it because I know that everybody is either sugar or syrup when it comes to French toast um, dare I say somebody eat French toast plain I don't even know how I would feel about that <laughs> but French toast is one of my number one go-to's when I haven't had like a good breakfast meal in a long time um and so I love talking about sugar anyways we're talking about sweet bites right um the other thing is your sweet reward make sure you go to the podcast page on my website sandracultmedici.com forward slash podcast go to the all the way to the bottom and see what great rewards are on there for for the month of April because we are finally in April and spring is really here. I don't know about, about where you're living right now, but it has like a little bit of a heat wave going on here in Los Angeles. And I mean, that's great because, you know, we have kind of this like seasonless weather out here where it's just like sunny most of the time and rains like two days of the year. So I am blessed that way. But um, I hope that you are enjoying the spring bloom outside and, you know, that things are looking up for you wherever you are. I always want to say, and amazing vibes out there in the world and I will see you on the next one are you looking for a webinar platform that really has your back for me I do a lot of webinars and I do a lot of lecturing and speaking and and I really feel like I need something that's simple I don't need something that's complicated. I want something that's able to take my message, distribute it, have a live option, but also be able to automate. For me, Webinar Ninja does the trick and I definitely highly recommend it for you too. So if you're looking for a webinar platform, check out Webinar Ninja on my software solutions page. Just go to www.sandracoltamedici.com forward slash software dash solutions. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.